Hello and welcome to the Gloucester Vineyard Church weekly podcast. We're creating a community that brings hope and joy to Gloucestershire and we're thrilled that you've downloaded this message. We hope this message meets you where you're at and provokes some thoughts to help you grow in your current situation. So without further ado, let's dive into this week's message. Hi, welcome to church this morning. I'm Jemima and I've been a part of this community since about September last year. It's been great to get to know some of you and lovely to meet you in person last week. And as a church, we talk a lot about creating a community which brings hope and joy to Gloucester. And we talk loads about the hope and we talk loads about the joy and what we're going to do as a church. And that's brilliant. It's so exciting. But before we do it, We have to build the community. What kind of community are we trying to create? What kind of relationships are we investing in, in our church? And when I've got questions about the church and um, God and faith, the the best place to start is in the Bible. So if you've got a Bible at home, um, grab yours, this is mine. And I'd really recommend that you turn to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read about the early church, the first church that existed after Jesus had been on the earth. He died on the cross. He rose again three days later. And then he went up back to heaven to be with his father. And he left the early church with the Holy Spirit. And they functioned as a church. And this is what they were like. So it's Acts chapter 2. Let me read it to you now. They, the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were performed. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, does that sound like the kind of church you want to be a part of? Does that sound like the kind of church we want Gloucester Vineyard to be? And there's loads of amazing foundations that... um, This church in the Bible and Acts clearly had and so many lessons that we could learn from them. But ultimately, this church was alive because the people that formed that community were committed to their relationships. They were committed to their relationships with God, with each other and with this world. about 14 I was living at home with my family in Chichester and we uh, were all me and my siblings part of the local scout group I loved scouts and my scout leader came up with this fantastic idea that um, as a scout group we'd go to the local supermarket and we'd help pack people shopping in the run-up to Christmas and in return they'd give us a bit of spare change and we would donate the money to charity to um, build a water well in Tanzania And I thought that was quite a good idea. It was a fun way to spend a Sunday afternoon, do a bit of good for the community. And so I signed up and I was quite looking forward to it. Until halfway through the week, my mum said that our cousins were going to come for Sunday lunch. and We were going to have food and do presents and play games together. And I was so excited. Until that was, I realised that I'd already signed up to do bagpacking. 
Um, and I was like, oh, well, I just won't do the bag packing. I'll have lunch with my cousins and I'll be fine. And I remember my mum sat me down and she got really cross with me. And she went, Jemima, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And she made me go and do the bag packing and miss out on seeing my cousins. And I was really annoyed with her. Um, and, you know, I did the bag packing and it was fine. And I missed out on seeing my cousins. Um, but she was, she was right. You know, it was the right thing to do to let my yes be yes and my no be no. But I was annoyed. Have you ever had to um, miss out on something you wanted to do because you'd already signed up to something else? Well, the other way around. Have, has anyone ever broken a promise to you? You know, you were meant to be meeting them for a coffee and then five minutes before, so sorry, I forgot. So sorry, something else came up, something better came up. So sorry, I just didn't really schedule my life very well today and I just don't have time anymore. Feels rubbish, doesn't it? When someone breaks that commitment they've made to you. And that's what we're going to look at today, commitment in our relationships. But we, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's just take a step back. When we have any kind of relationship, whether that's a relationship in church or outside of church, we have a choice. Do we approach that relationship with an attitude of commitment or an attitude of preference? Let's look at those options now. And as a society, we often have quite an adverse reaction to commitment. You know, people say they have got a, a fear of commitment. I don't want to get trapped. And generally, as a society, we see people having quite a positive reaction to preference. You know, it's choice, it's freedom, it's be who you want to be. You do you. We hear that all the time. What kind of relationships are we creating in our church, though? What is a preference-based relationship? Let's start at the beginning. I reckon a preference-based relationship is a relationship where you can come and go based on your immediate desires. There's probably few long-term relationships. You know, you can cut off a relationship or a friendship as soon as there's any kind of disagreement. You're in a book club and they read a book you don't want to read. You can just leave, join a different book club. You're in a church and they sing a song you don't like. You can just leave and go to a different church. You're friends with someone and they upset you. You don't really bother to talk about it and sort it out. You just find a different friend. Preference-based relationships are unstable. Secondly, in preference-based relationships, there's no corporate identity. Preference-based relationships are lonely and you end up isolated. Thirdly, in preference-based relationships, we trick ourselves into believing that we've got freedom to do what we want. But really, we're just governed by our emotions, by our circumstances, by our hormones. That's not freedom. And finally, in preference-based relationships, there's no consistency in who I am. Who I am is just based on who I'm with or what I'm doing. I can change my identity just based on that moment. That doesn't give me a sure identity. Is that the kind of church we want to create? Is that the kind of community we want to be a part of? Let's look at the flip side. What's a commitment-based relationship? And when I think about commitment-based relationships and I try and think about the best kind of commitment-based relationships, I see marriages. You know, not all marriages are good, but when you see a good marriage that's based on commitment, you see stability. You see a couple who can plan and make decisions based on promises they've made to each other. They've made a choice to promise to love. That's a commitment to love each other and that leads to stability.
Secondly, in a marriage where there's loyalty and trust, you get intimacy. Why do you think the Bible says that we should only have sex inside of a marriage? It's because that is a safe place where there's enough commitment to be vulnerable and enough space to be vulnerable that you get that level of intimacy, which is so beautiful. And you get this amazing cycle of intimacy leading to vulnerability, leading to intimacy, leading to vulnerability. And that is beautiful. Thirdly, commitment-based relationships lead to freedom. When you make a promise to be there, even when you don't know what the cost will be, that's freedom. You know, when you enter a marriage, you don't know if your wife's going to get depression or your husband's going to get dementia. But you're free because you've made a commitment and you're going to stick to it no matter what. And finally, commitment-based relationships give us a certain identity. We know somebody today by the promises they made yesterday which they're still keeping today. It's how we know God and it's how we know each other. For example, the identity of somebody as, say, a wife. We know that she's a wife because of a promise, a commitment and a social bond she's made. It's why we celebrate anniversaries. She's been given a new identity as a wife and we celebrate that because it's beautiful and it's certain. Is our church a marker of our identity? that Jesus wants us to build commitment-based relationships. Because that's what matters, isn't it? What does Jesus say about this? And I reckon that we do. It's because the choice to commit in a relationship is the choice to love. And actually, that's who God is. And it's the entire Bible. And today we're going to explore how God is committed to us, how we have a choice to be committed to him, how we are committed to us, church, church with a capital C, the global church, God's church. And how we have a choice to be committed to our church, to Gloucester Vineyard Church, church with a little c. And then, then our church can look like that beautiful church in Acts. That statement that I just made, God is committed to us. Not all of you will believe that and that's okay. But God's character is a character of commitment. Our God is unchanging and faithful. I mean, imagine if God did change. Imagine if God was like, I know, let's send snow to Africa. Oh, I know, let's send a heat wave to Antarctica. It's a silly example, but he doesn't do that. Our God doesn't change. He's consistent and he's committed. If we open up our Bibles again in Deuteronomy at the beginning of the Bible, we see God make a, um, a statement. This is what it says. It says, Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is faithful. He keeps his covenant, his promise, his commitment of love to a thousand generations of those who love him. A thousand generations. That's how committed our God is. And God keeps his commitments, his promises, throughout that time and time and time and time again throughout the bible as we read the old testament we see god keeping his promises his covenants his commitments we see it in the story of noah of abraham of the israelites 
of Moses, of Peter, of Paul, of Jesus. I could go on, but time and time and time again, God keeps his commitments. We see promise and fulfillment and promise and fulfillment. God is committed. And you know what? Even when we let him down, he still chooses to commit. You know, Jesus, Jesus is God. When God had that choice of getting up on the cross and dying, do you think he wanted to do that? Do you think Jesus wanted to get up on that cross and die? Do you think that was his preference? No, of course it wasn't. Of course it wasn't. But he was committed and he did it. So God is committed to us. Secondly, we have a choice to commit to him. It's an invitation. It's a question. We have to make that choice to commit to him. And maybe that's not something you've ever heard before. Maybe that's not a commitment you've made before. But maybe today this is your opportunity. God invites all of us into relationship with him. And a relationship just means commitment. We have to respond somehow. If we respond in commitment, then we also have to respond in love and in obedience. Do we want in? How committed are we to God? Where are our priorities? What does your diary say about your priorities and your commitment to God? What does your bank account say about it? What do your kids say about it? What do your work colleagues say about it? It's a challenge, isn't it? And if you've not made that commitment to God before, then right now, this is your invitation to do so. You know, God wants in. Do you want in? Do you want to commit? And if that's not something you've done before or you've thought about before and you want to chat about that more, we'd love to. Send us a little chat in Zoom and we'll link up with you and talk about that because, boy, is it a great decision. So God is committed to us. We have a choice to commit to him. And thirdly, we have a choice to commit to the us. If we open up our Bibles again to the book of Jeremiah, we read a beautiful verse which says, I, God, I will be their God and they will be my people. We are the people of God, we're the body of God, we're the family of God, the body of Christ, whatever words you want to use. Our faith is not an individual thing. It's our God, not my God. Being a Christian isn't about me and Jesus. I've got my own relationship with Jesus and it's great, but that's not really what it's about. It's about us and a commitment, a relationship, a promise with Jesus. And as a people, the people of God, we have a commitment with him. And you know what? The Bible also says, as he first loved us, so we should love each other. What a challenge. What a challenge. And so we're committed to each other, to the church. And God tries to communicate um, his love and his commitment to the church using that same image of marriage again. In the Bible, God uses the image of the church, us, as his bride. We're his bride. That's the level of commitment. And so we, as a bride, a community, have to be thick. We're not flaky. Church isn't about turning up when we feel about it, feel like it or when it's convenient. And you know what happens when our church looks like a committed community, a relationship 
based on commitment, our church looks like acts. And this is about whole life integration. This isn't about Sunday mornings or Tuesday nights at a small group. This is whole life integration. And you know what? And this is tough. When we're called to commit to the people of God, to this family, to this church, it actually doesn't matter if you don't naturally prefer them. If you look around the Zoom call and you don't naturally prefer the people you see, actually doesn't matter because we're responding in love and obedience to a calling from our God. And you know what? These relationships, your relationship with the church, my relationship with the church is about eternity. It's not about the next two years I'm in Gloucester or the next 10 years I live in this county. It's about eternity. This is about relationships which go on and on and on. How committed are we? our church and as I said before if our church looks like this our church can look like Acts let's read that beautiful passage again Acts chapter 2 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching into fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were performed all of the believers were together and they had everything in common They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone that had need. And every day they met together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad. They were joy-filled and sincere. They were vulnerable hearts. They praised God and enjoyed the favour. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Now, does that sound like the kind of church we want to be a part of? Let's read on Acts chapter 4. The whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't claim ownership over their own possessions. No one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of Jesus and grace was on all of them. And so it turned out that not one person among them was needy. So why does this matter? Why does this matter? You know why it matters? Firstly, the Lord added daily to their number those who are being saved. That's our calling, to see heaven on earth, to see lives saved, to see lives transformed, to see people meeting Jesus. That's our calling. That's why it matters. And secondly, there was no needy person among them. Does that sound like spreading hope and joy in Gloucester? Not one needy person. You know, when we pray that beautiful Lord's Prayer, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's about the hope and the joy. And sometimes we have to actually act out that Lord's Prayer. Sometimes we're the answer to the world's problems. And you know what? When we see daily people being saved and we see not one needy person among them, That's beautiful. And to quote an amazing song by a guy called Brandon Lake. It's called We Praise You. And these are the lyrics. He says, this is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. 
And in a society where preference is so heartbreakingly wrongly seen as freedom and individualism leads to such painful loneliness, we have a duty to show the world that there's another way. Living in God's promise to love and to commit leads to freedom, to identity, to vulnerability, to intimacy, to love, to life saved, to no one being in need. And this is where we find security. This is what the Garden of Eden was about. And it's what Revelation promises. And so in an increasingly preference-based society, will we stand firm in the truth that there's a better way, a way of commitment? Come whatever, will we be here? This is our witness to the community. When they see us, they'll see him. You know what the Bible says? It says, they will know me by how you love each other. They will know me, God, by how you, the church, love each other. It's how they're going to know God. It matters. Imagine if Gloucester Vineyard looked like this. And this is a challenge, isn't it? This is hard. Being in commitment-based relationships is hard. It's easy to walk away. It's easier to walk away sometimes. And so how do we do this? And we've probably all been challenged by something I've talked about today. You know, I've talked about our commitment to community, our commitment to God, our commitment to each other. And, you know, you'll all be challenged by a different bit. You know, God being committed to us. Do you believe that? That no matter what you do, nothing you can do can make God love you more or less. Did you hear that? Nothing you can do will make God love you more or less. Maybe you've been challenged by your commitment to God. Maybe you felt challenged to make a commitment to God today. Maybe you felt challenged about your commitment to an individual relationship in this church. Or maybe you felt challenged about your commitment to this church. Maybe you feel challenged by your priorities, your time, your money. How committed are you to this church? So whatever it is that you've been challenged by, I ask you to really think about this. How are we going to do it? How are we going to change? There's no point just sitting here listening. We've got to actually do something. And what are we going to do? First of all, we're going to pray. We're going to get on our knees and we're going to pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to help us with this. Let's ask God for wisdom. You know, God wants to help us. He loves to give us good gifts. Get on your knees and pray. Secondly, you actually have to act Shock news, breaking news, you know, you have to do something. You've got to make some difficult decisions. When the moment comes, are you going to commit? When the moment comes, are you going to turn up? A wedding day is very different than a marriage. Anyone can throw a party. It's hard to be married for 50 years, isn't it? And who's going to hold you accountable? And that's the third thing. So we're going to pray. We're going to actually do something. And thirdly, this is the good bet. We're going to hold each other accountable and we're going to do this together. We're a community. We're in this together. We can use each other. It's okay to call each other out on this. And you know what? This is why small groups are so important. 
Small groups of committed people who do life together, who share intimately, who are vulnerable together, who have a shared identity, who are free, who are secure in themselves because they're committed. And if you're not in a small group yet, I'd love you to join one. I'd love you to come along. Come and join our committed communities. Get involved. It's beautiful. And we're in it together. We do the tough bits together and the good bits together because we're committed. We're not going anywhere. This whole commitment thing, it's about keeping our word. It is, like my mum said, about letting your yes be yes and your no be no. But you know what? We can only do this. We can only keep our promises because God enables us to. You don't have to do this in your own strength. God's given us his Holy Spirit and we can do it with his help. We're doing it in his strength, not our own. I can do it on my own. And you know what? Commitment is scary and it is hard. And everything we're scared of in relation to making a commitment, God understands. You know, Jesus walked on this earth. He had human relationships. He knows what it's like to be let down. Jesus knows what it's like to be hurt by commitment. Now, remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane about to be murdered and his friends fell asleep? Remember when his friend Judas kissed him on the cheek and betrayed him? Jesus knows what it's like to be let down. And secondly, he knows what it's like to commit. When Jesus was on that cross and he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. Father, everything's possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will, Lord. Jesus wasn't in a preference-based relationship. He was committed. So do I think this matters? Yes. Am I challenged by what I'm committed to? Yes. Am I challenged by who I'm committed to? Yes. There's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot to think about. But I'd really challenge you. Don't just go away. Go away and pray about it. Go away and make some tough decisions and go away and be honest and vulnerable and accountable to somebody. Let's just pray together now. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome here. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would touch each of us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us, give us wisdom, help us do this in your strength. Lord Jesus, help us to love each other well. Lord Jesus, help us to commit. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be the centre of this church. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we step in to being more committed, as we step in to loving more, as we step into trusting you more, I pray that we would see commitment thrive, that we would see your name lifted high. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, I really pray that we would see daily those added to our number, those that are being saved. 
Lord Jesus, I pray that we would see lives transformed and people getting to know you. And I pray that we would see not one needy person among us, not one needy person in Gloucester. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we create a community, that we would bring hope and joy to this city and that your name would be lifted high. In your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay. That's all for this week. I hope that blessed you. If you enjoyed this week's message, then please do share it with a friend and consider subscribing to the podcast to stay up to date with all our future episodes. And if you'd like to get involved with what we're doing here in Gloucester, all the details can be found on our website. It's gloucestervineyard.org. Mm-hmm.